0: The following audio is brought to you by Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. More information about our church can be found at emmanueltuscaloosa.org. All right, well, um, hopefully you got a handout on your way in. That's uh, what we're going to be going through today. Um, witchcraft, Wicca, Goddess Worship. We've locked the doors, you can't leave, so... Uh, this is what we're going to be going through this morning. Um, you know, it beats UFOs, right? <laughs> like, what kind of Sunday school? Um, all right, so we're going to get started here in just a minute. I want to pray, uh, pray first, and then we'll, um, we'll go through the material. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for just an opportunity to come together as a church body um, to worship your name, to exalt Christ. Um, we pray that you would be with us uh, as we gather together and read scripture or, or um, think deeply about uh, things going on in the world and uh, pray and, and sing here in a minute. Um, we we pray that Christ would be elevated in our hearts, um, that you would, um, regardless of wh- where we what we came in thinking. Uh, what we came in, uh, what kind of baggage we brought here this morning, that you would, um, that you would reignite a desire to love and serve you uh, with everything that we've got. And we pray nothing less for our time this morning as we study uh, cultic worship and what uh, is antithetical to the gospel that it would solidify truth in our minds, that it would warn us from falsehood, uh, that you would uh, re-instill solid truth in our minds, that you would guard our hearts against falsehood, um, that you would, again, with truth, elevate Christ above all. We don't want to do this as an academic exercise, but um, really to grow more in love with you by knowing more of who you are. We pray that you would do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, this these last few weeks, uh, this series that we're in um, has been a somewhat different process than what we normally do. Obviously, a lot of times during our building block times, we'll either have a, a Bible study going through a book of the Bible, or something like that. But over the last few weeks, we've been uh, go, kind of looking at uh, cult, the uh, various things that are identified as cults, and now we have begun transitioning to the occult. The difference between the two mainly, um, a cult is typically a deviation from Christianity in some way, Uh, that would seek to take most of the narrative of Christianity and then twist it. Uh, So come up with either uh, alternative uh, books uh, that it would kind of revere as biblical scripture, things like that, Um, whereas the occult is specifically dabbling in demonic worship, actually seeking after um, spiritual entities and things like that. Um, now, Paul in the New Testament, w- which we'll get to uh, later on in this in this course, but Paul in the New Testament is going to say, look, all the people that are worshiping false gods or worshiping either in the cult or occult are worshiping demons, whether they know that or not, okay? So th- there is some reality in which they're really all the same thing, I mean, so to speak, but but as we kind of divide them up, the occult is really where, where people are specifically trying to consult uh, spiritual entities that they see as controlling things. So that would be the kind of the line of demarcation, if there was one, between cults and the occult. And so we're. What's that? Judaism without Jesus. Um, well. I mean, again, we're we're we can draw some really fine lines. Uh, you know, we would say that um, so, so Jesus is going to call um, uh, the synagogues who don't proclaim Him as Christ. He's going to call them synagogues of Satan. So, um, so technically, anything that deviates from Christ as the Messiah is satanic in its nature. Okay. So, so, yeah, so if we're going to—but there, there, there probably is a difference in direction, and as we'll see in just a minute, of, of exactly what they're going after here, uh, which would kind of almost need some specificity. What, what, we're, what we're dealing with here is not necessarily inherently Judaism, even though we would see uh, that somebody who rejects Jesus as Messiah is effectively doing the work that Satan would be promoting, right, is to— is to take Jesus down off the throne, okay? So, yes, in, if we're painting in broad strokes, but, but we're trying to be as, spe- as specific as possible here. So, um, so this morning, we're going to deal with um, kind of a... It's not kind of, it's a broad category. Uh, Wicca, witchcraft, and goddess worship. Um, this is particularly a challenging one, Because as you get into occultic practices, what you start to realize very quickly is they don't like to define themselves. So that works counterintuitive to our (laughs) goal, which is to try to define them and to try to figure out exactly who they are and what they believe. And when it comes to the practice of Wicca, they have such a wide and varied tradition if you want to even call it that, that it becomes really difficult to define. And so, what we're really looking for is to just see some commonalities, but also to really hear the way that certain people are going about trying to accomplish salvation by their own hand. Remember, that's that's what we've been seeing is common from all occult, all occultic practices and all of the cultic religions is that all of it is a means of attempting to accomplish salvation by means outside of Christ, outside of the true gospel. So our goal is not uh, really right now to be um, necessarily evangelistic at this moment. Like We're going to get there, we're going to talk about how we evangelize. And so when we talk about things like apologetics, apologetics would be not just defending and saying, this is what I believe, but actually being on the offensive and actually presenting a case for why what you believe is true and what you believe is right. And so what we're doing, what we're focusing on right now is to say, this is what they believe, but this is why that's different than Christianity. Here is what we believe. This is what they believe. And then as we get closer to the end, we'll start going, okay, now, but how do we turn that into an offensive approach and to say, but I think you should believe what I believe because I think this is true and that is false. Uh, So right now we're worried right now just about kind of building in our minds, separating truth from falsehood, okay? Uh, So as we get into, not as we get into witchcraft, as we start talking about witchcraft, the oldest and most infamous version of occultic practice is commonly referred to as witchcraft. However, the modern definition of witchcraft remains somewhat elusive and varied, and the people who practice it uh, are part of many different occultic practices. Now, witchcraft, you you can go back into the Old Testament, and and this is why I say probably the oldest uh, practiced occultic faith is witchcraft because it dives way back before Christ all the way back into the Old Testament where you can find mediums, witches, necromancers, uh, and all kinds of people practicing this far back in the Old Testament, even God outlawing uh, the practice or the consulting of witches and mediums even back in in the Old Testament. So it is, it's old. Now, what, uh, qualifies today as witchcraft is so broad that it it's hard to even really talk about specifically. So we're gonna we're gonna dive into some specific things, but um, but just know that it's broad and it's old. Um, in essence, witchcraft itself is nothing more than the practice of occultism, um, and that is an attempt to manipulate forces in order to accomplish. Personal ends, and its various forms are experiencing a revival of sorts in today's culture. I don't know um, if any of you know, does anybody know or have, uh, p- you know, are connected to people, maybe people in your family who are dabbling in witchcraft or things like this? I have a nephew that is, a, that is in Wicca, that is a, a Wiccan, he's a witch. So, I don't know if anybody, anybody has ever, have you ever met anybody? You've met, you've met people, Met some have met people. Um, my uh, wife was in, a, I was in Target, um, n- not too terribly long ago, and she was asked if she um, wa- uh, wanted to hear about Mother God. Anybody ever had that, that pitch to you, uh, Want to hear about Mother God? Okay, so... The, the amount to which you might experience this may be varied, but I think if, as we get further on, you may hear some things that you go, and I have heard that before, or I, I have heard some people talking about those things that may just not have outed themselves as a witch. Uh, you know, that's not typically the, you know, your leading sales pitch, I guess. Um, but <laughs> the, the, the goal of occultism, as I've said, is really to, to attempt To manipulate the spiritual realm, to basically gain insight or wisdom, or knowledge, information of some sort, or to control outcomes by dabbling in or trying to reach out to the spiritual realms—that's occultism. Um, So the revival—it's—it's—it's what we find in uh, modern our modern culture is that actually the Gen Zers who are coming up now, uh, they're kind of notoriously nuns. They, don't, they push away from religion. They don't have nuns, meaning they're, non, they're not religiously affiliated. But what, they're also, what we're also finding is that Gen Zers are some of the most superstitious generation that we've ever had. And so for that reason, the acknowledgement of a spiritual realm and trying to reach out in one way or another to a spiritual realm is on the rise, is on the uptick, even though that is pushing away from traditional forms of religion like Christianity. And so that's the reason like some forms of Wicca and witchcraft and uh, occultism is starting to gain a lot more traction and probably in the years to come, you will find more people that you know that are connected to that than you may right now. But the revival of ancient paganism in the present day is spearheaded, obviously, by a lot of uh, portrayals in books and TV and film and that, that present witchcraft, wizardry, in something more like a positive light. Uh, that it's a fun experience, that it's a, uh, a, you know, an an interesting endeavor, and it's harmless. That it, it, um, there's really no, uh, you know, negatives uh, here. It's all uh, really positives, and there are terrible people, and there are people that try to bend it in terrible ways, just like they do everything else. But on the whole, the goal of witchcraft is really to seek positive outcomes. And you're going to see that even in Wicca. Uh, that's kind of how they build themselves, how they, they sort of brand themselves, if there is any kind of branding. Uh, questions about that? Go ahead, Timothy. Uh, so uh, and then we'll go to Myra. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You'll find in Africa, on the continent of Africa, in large part you have animism, uh, ancestor worship, um, various forms of of actually deifying uh, creatures, animals, alligators, things like that, Um, and then you'll have a, typically a person in the village who is a uh, witch doctor of sorts, Uh, that's their form of medicine, and that's their their medicinal practice, yeah, Myra? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, certainly um, certainly that would be Yeah, certainly that would be put in the same, you know, vein of uh, casting witchcraft and, and wizardry in sort of a positive light, but that would be true of a lot of things. So like uh so let's say Hinduism, or Hinduism in the New Age, which we saw a few weeks ago, um, is, you know, presented, uh, you know, almost top to bottom in things like Star Wars. You know, so you get, you get these ideas that are, you're kind of steeped in through all kinds of cultural mediums. So let, let's take progre- uh, a form of progressive Christianity, if you want to call it Christianity, but at least that's what it's kind of termed as. But that progressive nature of Christianity that would say, uh, you know, kind of the love is love, that would fly an LGBTQ flag and things like that outside of their church, um, you know, is th- that's also steeped in books and TV and film and, right? So, like, th- it's really just to say that anything that is a false narrative typ- to the gospel is typically going to be portrayed in cultural mediums like books, TV, and film. And, and so what, what you don't—I ha- mean, outside of a, a company uh, that is founded on Christian principles whose desire is to produce films and TV shows and things like that that are you know, more uh, gospel-centered and things like that, when have you seen the gospel clearly presented in a feature film? outside of those groups when have you seen the gospel clearly presented in right you would think if you just produced a million films one of them would just happen to get it right right but they none of them do okay so that it is to say that books tv and film are very influential uh, over our minds, our thought processes in, in, you know, in everything that we do. So, go ahead, Millie. This, Disney and the History Channel, you know, they've uncovered um, one temple that was for the crocodile game. Sure. And they have found a big pit and evidence of it, and so, I mean, it's being presented everywhere, yeah. you know, that there are alternatives to Christianity. Yeah. And, and I think, too, you know, you, you look at stories in the Bible of the witch at Endor and, you know, raising Samuel's spirit from the dead and, and, it, and Saul and the witch, and everybody's freaked out in the whole thing when Samuel comes back and that kind of thing. Uh, and you look at that and go, well, I mean, that's Old Testament. I'm telling you right now, the stuff that will go, some of the stuff that you'll see, particularly in foreign countries where this is the, the water that they swim in. Uh, metaphorically speaking, obviously, um, that it, some of that stuff is no joke. And now, a lot of things that you'll find—let's let, just really quickly, especially when it comes to occultic practice—a lot of things that you're going to find, perhaps in uh, our culture, or you know, maybe that you might see, you know, signs for palm reading and things like this. Some of those are going to be manipulative tricks that people will play. Uh, against, you know, naive people uh, and, and in an effort to kind of take their money. doesn't make it any less evil at all. But just know that there is, there is that that is false and, and manipulative and, uh, and an attempt to basically just a money-making scheme. But when people dabble in the spiritual realm and in the, the realm of the occult, there are things that, that are out there Uh, not only do we believe, but that I've seen with my own two eyes, that are not to be trifled with. None of it is to be trifled with, but the reason none of it is to be trifled with is because some of it is real. Timothy. Yeah. right yeah yeah so let's move let's move on here the various uh present-day forms of ancient paganism are called neo-paganism so don't let the term throw you off uh neo-paganism just means new paganism which as we've seen over the last several weeks new paganism or new anything is not really new it's very old uh it's all the same stuff it's just repackaged, and and this is what can kind of throw Christians, I think, a lot, is when we encounter things like Jehovah's Witness or Mormonism or even something like Wicca, is you kind of get entrenched, in, or you get in your, your mind, well, I don't know anything about this, and so how would I possibly refute this, or how would I possibly, what, I have to know everything about this religion in order to be able to refute it, and that's not true, it's actually just the same thing that's just repackaged over and over. Um Within that branch of neo-paganism, under which, you know, Wicca falls, um, are a billion different belief systems. And they are varied and, let me just spare you, impossible to track them all, (laughs) or to know them all, okay? Um, So there are innumerable belief systems um, within the millions of sects under the umbrella of neo-paganism. But the heart of their teaching is essentially goddess-slash-little-g-god worship. Um, but no matter what, they, what label they claim, they are essentially mediums invoking a power other than the power of God. So that, that specifically what we're going after, is that they have normally... An individual God, there may also be mul- a multitude of gods, but normally there is an individual God or goddess that they're targeting with a particular worship practice and seeking to gain from them some sort of uh, material, normally material blessing. And there are typically people who are conduits to that God that people will consult. All right, this would be the, the mediums and things like that. All right, so the, the practice of occult rites or secret mysteries such as spells, curses, palm reading, fortune telling, necromancy, and any other method used to attain personal goals, insight, or information is never connected with Judaism or Christianity, and it is never authorized by the Bible. And I don't mean that it's never connected, like Timothy was talking about that they've done it. I don't mean that. I mean that it's never, uh, you know, authorized uh, in either Judaism or the Bible. For for Christians, all of those things that are associated in any way with witchcraft are ruled out of hand immediately. So. Uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter if it's fake. It doesn't matter if it's uh, you know a trick or it's a you know kind of parlor trick or fun and games and things like that, or if it's the real thing. All of it is ruled out completely because of what it projects, what it seeks to do, and it undermines the actual truth of the gospel. Because what th- what is attempting to be done through means of mediums? Did I move on? Oh yeah. Um, that th- what's attempting to be accomplished through these mediums is truth or manipulation of the physical world outside of the means that God has given to us through asking Him and Him providing. So all of it is a uh, manipulation. Does that make sense? Back in, so far? In Go the ahead, sense, then, though, Okay. Yeah, so if we were to zoom, back, zoom out a little bit and we were to take in into uh, consideration things like uh, Roman Catholicism and, um, and even Eastern Orthodox would do very similar things. The practice of praying to saints, um, uh, kissing icons in Eastern Orthodox, uh, pictures and things like that of saints and things, um, and, and even praying to the icons and, and all those kinds of things, all the way to some Eastern Orthodox and Russian Orthodox and places like that will actually have some version of sacrifice. Not, not quite in the Old Testament sense, but uh, laying something on the altar, lighting a candle on the altar, things like that. Uh, all of those things are, are essentially alternative methods to access God in ways that He has not authorized. So it, it brings up a broader concern for us as Christians that God has determined how He will be worshipped. And it's not its not for us, it's not our privilege or our ability or within our realm of concern to be able to come up with other things that can be incorporated into our worship services that He has not authorized. Um, The reason we incorporate musical instruments and the reason we sing in worship is because he told us to. The reason we pray and we read Scripture together and we confess sin together and we preach and teach the Word is because he told us to. He he didn't tell us, here's the exact order of the worship service, so it's going to be varied across different churches, but he did tell us this is how it will be done. Right. This is how I will be worshipped. And so when, when other uh, religions, or if you want to call them denominations, I don't know, but religions would attempt to come up with alternative methods, it's essentially moving the needle closer to something that's very pagan in nature, or neo-pagan, Right. Right: Yeah, the, the what we've seen over the last few weeks is this common uh, theme is that every cult, occultic practice or other religion is essentially taking Christ, attempting to take Christ down and put something else in his place. It's, it's, always, it's always an undermining of Christ. Even if there are other notable things that they participate in, or that they believe that may get more attention, it is the substituting of Christ that is our central concern, and is, is actually where our uh, evangelistic practice will begin. Is there at the, the incarnation of Jesus and at the cross, and that is where we as apologists for the gospel can begin, is to say, here's what happened 2,000 years ago, is it, there was actually a, a baby born in Bethlehem, and he grew up, and he died, and he rose from the dead. And here's how we can see that in history, and it's, it's historically attested. So um, all of it is, a, is an attempt to substitute uh, those things. Uh, So the question was, would you consider Catholicism, Eastern Orthodox, Christian or not? Um, Let me me be a little more careful with it. There are Christians who are Catholics. Uh, However, what you will find with uh, the Christians who are Catholic as you talk to them is that they will reject certain tenets of Catholicism. So when you say, uh, are all the saints employed on your behalf uh, to, that you can pray to them and things like that, do you have access to God through saints and through things like this? Uh, they will say, oh, well, no, I mean, Jesus, all I need is Jesus. What about the priest and confessing the sins to the priest and things like that? Oh, no, I can go straight to, straight to Christ for that. Um, what about the infallibility of the pope? Uh, well, no, he's a, just a man like everybody else. So you'll see a rejection of central claims of Catholicism. There a small yeah, they, they're a prob- they probably are a very small minority. And I think there are also some Catholics who are probably Christians who are um, buying into some of the deception of the Catholic Church. Even if they don't reject all of the misleading tenets of Catholicism, they will reject certain components of it. And then that is where I think our work begins to say... Well, let's look at what the Bible actually says is true, and let me invite you to my church. Um, So, uh, moving on here. Wicca, and when we talk about Wicca specifically, it's basically a modern derivative of ancient witchcraft. The difference is, and and this is the only reason why Wicca is, is kind of the focus today, is because it's the only one that sort of accepts the label of religion. It it, it sort of is fine with you calling it a religion, at least in some circles. Um, It was, you know, had a lot of influence by uh, the famous occultist Alistair Crowley and one of his followers, Gerald Gardner, who Gardner becomes effectively the kind of founder, the father of Wicca. And so uh, Gardner is still revered in a lot of Wiccan circles as the kind of the one that originated it all. And he's got a lot of uh, literature that sort of spells out more practices and things like that. And it's centered around the worship of many gods and goddesses. And what you'll, you'll hear, Wiccans will also uh, refer to uh, particu- uh, two particular revered uh, God-Goddess combination in history uh, as the Lord and Lady. And the, so if you ever hear that, if you ever hear, let me tell you about the Lord and Lady or something like uh, that, it's Wicca, all right? Just immediately, it's kind of the red flag in your mind. Um, and some will even trace that back to you. Do you remember the episode in Acts 7, I believe it is, where... Uh, Peter, and there's Simon the Magician, um, that they they look back at Simon the Magician as kind of the father, the Lord, as it were, of the wicked movement, and his wife, the lady. And so that's typically who they're referring to, but that also varies a little bit. And again, some of the information, like as I'm going through this, y- you you find a group that says, this is what we believe, and then the next group goes, nah, we don't believe that. <laughs> you know? So, it, there you go. Uh, it's It can be difficult. Um, so, the gods and goddesses that are worshipped by pagans around the world today, you won't find it as surprising that they are basically the same ones, or they're at least derivatives of those that are worshipped in ancient times. You find Gods in Canaanite culture, in Babylonian culture, in all kinds of different cultures that are basically picked up on and continued to be worshipped today in Wiccan circles. Uh, Wiccan circles and broader into just witchcraft and all kinds of other occultism. Um, But it's the same gods, and they're, they're essentially making the same kinds of sacrifices and doing the same kinds of things and trying to appease them in the same ways. That we find Israel encountering in the wilderness, we find all—I mean—in the whole all kinds of uh, similarities there. Um, so it hasn't disappeared. So Wicca is divided into different schools, and uh, they're basically um, kind of like different sort of the ways they practice. Uh, they're called traditions, and key differences between them are related to ceremonial procedures and personal preference. Some witches even create their own tradition based on a combination of different beliefs from other traditions. This is why when you study Wicca all of a sudden you're in a world of just we could be here forever, right? Go ahead. I think a lot of the attraction to this kind of stuff has to do with learning something over the yeah. That else knows about. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. Now, I'm reaching back and no other witches have really it just like I. Yeah. Well, and what one of the reasons as Charlie points out, one of the reasons that things like witchcraft are on the rise, you know, not not just the TV, the film, the popular culture and things like that. But typically they promote a narrative that says the powerful uh realm of Christendom, Christianity, has been in power for 2,000 years and has, op- has suppressed the truth about witchcraft. So pursuing witchcraft is a rejection of authority, for one. So it's kind of like a getting out from under the man and pursuing something else. The other thing is, they what you'll find in, in Wicca in particular is that they democratize it all. So here are some general principles, but you kind of blaze your own way, and you do you, right? So it plays into getting out from under the man and the you-do-you you culture, right? Getting yeah, out from under the patriarchy. Yeah, out so, from under the patriarchy, yeah. So Wicca is, as we'll see in just a second, Wicca is uh, kind of keys in on more goddess worship than God worship. And, uh, and so you'll, you'll hear some, some similar, uh, I think maybe you'll hear some things that uh, sound familiar in just a little bit. Right, yes, yeah. So uh, many Wiccans, so as we get to more specific beliefs on the next page, many Wiccans believe in magic. Uh, typically you'll see it spelled M-A-G-I-C-K normally, so that they can differentiate it between what Disney does and what they, that's kind of the goal anyway. <laughs> uh, it doesn't really work. I mean, you know, it's just, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the watch that you bought out of the guy's back, back of the guy's car. All right. Um, which is basically a manipulative force exercised through the practice of what they call spellcraft. Um, For a Wiccan, magic is defined as the science, and they will call it a science, and art of causing change to occur in conformity with the will. Or, some will say it's the science of the control of the secret forces of nature. So what you'll find is that they they say, look, uh, there are, are scientific ways that we have of actually controlling things like the will of others or, uh, or goodwill in the world or the, the, the vibes, as it were, that's out there in the universe. There are scientific ways of controlling that that the what we would call scientific community has suppressed, right? So again, this is sort of a, a rejection of that kind of authority and saying, they have suppressed this, but there are actual ways where you can kind of tune in so if you if you see things that are like uh, that, that talk about um, I think they call them leading lines um, but they're they uh, this is super weird so just bear with me for just a second. Um, like magnetic lines that uh, kind of uh, run through a particular city uh, and have kind of a central point. Uh, if you've ever researched like Washington D.C. and things like this, you look at it from an aerial view. You see the Washington Monument in the middle, and there's all these kinds of lines going away from it. Um, Wiccans in particular believe in that kind that that has a, uh, a force that there's a there's a controlling mechanism that can be used in those lines, and also. In particular, calendar days like you've heard of Christmas associated with like the Yule, the Yule log, and Yule season. That's Wiccan. That's largely pagan, or it comes from a pagan um, uh, background. And all of that is a means of effectively controlling circumstances outside through something like spellcraft. All right, through ca- the casting of spells, so, so you can be God. So, during those uh, ritual practices, which are often staged in a sacred circle, so they all kind of gather around in circles, um, they cast spells, or what they call workings, intended to bring about real changes in the physical world. Uh, Common Wiccan spells include those used for healing, for protection, for fertility, or to banish negative influences. Um, so I think one thing that's hard for us as Christians is we kind of read some of this is, is we hard to kind of imagine what is happening in some of these circles, like how this is, you know, this comes about. And based on what I'm seeing is it's wide and varied in terms of how they do it. But yes, they, they gather around in a circle and they literally will do a, a spell, which would be just a, a, series of instructions um, that they will, it might involve the lighting of a candle, it might involve thoughts, it might involve words that you that you chant, it might involve a number of different things. It, I don't know that the eye of a newt and all those kinds of things are required, uh, or a big pot or anything like that, but in some cases, yes, that might be the case where they actually do have things that they cook up, um, fragrances that they, they put out in the room that uh, allow them to... Uh, Supposedly, have this this spell being cast. Stonehenge is another. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. They, they've noticed with Stonehenge that that it, that some of the lines that stone that the stones are arranged around, uh, you know, follow the sun during certain times of the year and things like that. So it's again, it's ancient witchcraft. Are any of them involved? I don't. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Any of them involved sports. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> huh? Well, yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll find it everywhere. If you start... It's kind of like um, once you buy a car, then you start to see that car everywhere. You're like, everybody owns this car now that you own it. You know what I mean? Uh, it's sort of like that when you we talk about some of these things. You're like, now I'm seeing this in everywhere. Wesley. Um. So. I mean, those are also really broad categories. I I think there are certainly associated with those groups, there are certainly things that uh, start to approach, yeah, witchcraft and and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I wouldn't say that every, you know, not every mason you come across is a, you know, a witch, right? Okay. So, again... Do uh, yeah, but as, but as you start climbing the ranks and you start investigating, like what's what's really up here uh, at the top, you you start to find that a lot of them are are based on some of these ancient uh, practices for sure. Yeah, there's no question about it. Um, so the spell, so this is how it's built, right? Is that they they gather around together and they're they're trying to uh, cast spells for positive change in the world, and so they would differentiate themselves, in large part at least, from, uh, you know, they they would call what they're doing the practice of white magic, and they would differentiate themselves from others in other cultic religions who are practicing what they would call black magic, which is the attempt to use those kind of spells for negative purposes, cursing someone, things like you would see in something like a voodoo practice or something like that. Um, they would say, oh, that's satanic. <laughs> Ironically, that, that over there, that, those, are, those are bad. But what you'll find, even in Wiccan circles, I didn't really include this because it's kind of probably more than I want to get into, but uh, in some Wiccan circles, a lot of these spell castings and things like that are done, pardon, with no clothes on. Like there's a, there's a lot of sexual practice that's associated with the casting of spells, that on the surface, like on the Wiccan websites, yeah, I've been there, <laughs> like the Wiccan websites and stuff like that, they don't advertise that. That's not like their kind of marketing pitch to anybody. But underneath it, there is a lot of this that they say, oh, well, you're more in tune with the magic that flows around you if you're not inhibited by clothing. And you. it will come as no surprise to you that the people who kind of started this, the, the, most of them being men, um, you know, wanted to surround themselves uh, and practice all kinds of sexual perversion. So that will probably not shock any of you, I'm sure, um, that that's the case. But it is. Now, the mother goddess, this, this, by the way, right here, is copied and pasted straight from a Wiccan website. Uh, so the mother goddess is a central figure in Wicca. She is the creator of the earth and the universe and the giver of life. And I, I should have put the next sentence there, which was on the site too, and I don't know why I didn't. Uh, she, she is Mother Nature. It was the, and that's probably what many of you are thinking. Is like sounds like Mother Nature. Uh, you got it. Uh, they claim it right there. Um, so there, there is a, she's kind of the central figure, to the, the creator, as it were. Uh, Comes in many different forms and is accessed through many different ways, but she is sort of the central figure. Uh, Wiccan rituals are performed with the intent of of inducing a religious experience in the participants through beauty, pageantry, music, dance, and song, thereby alerting their consciousness. It's billed as a religion of ritual rather than theology. Now, it's not really a religion that doesn't have any theology. All of that's theology. But the, the purpose of what they're, they're saying is when you're there in a seance or in that spell casting, that working session, the desire is to get you worked up into a spirit of euphoria. A, a, a design, essentially, to manipulate your emotions. And believe it or not, emotions can be very easily manipulated. You, you, and you, you figure this out really quickly, even in Christian circles, where it seems like sometimes in worship services, the desire is to stimulate the emotions. And for you to walk out of the worship service, in order for you to feel like, I have really worshipped God in there, there needs to be this cloud nine kind of experience. Does that make sense? You've, you've seen that or heard that? Where there's, a, you know, some, we can, they can do this with music. Uh, repeating phrases. Believe it or not, repeating phrases millions of times. A lot of you probably have wondered, like, why do some of these praise songs just have the same line a thousand times? It comes from a lot of these practices of stirring people up and manipulating their emotions. Have you noticed that like, in a political speech, let's say, uh, there is a power of three where you can generate applause on the whole? It doesn't matter what's being said. You can say, da-da-da, da-da-da, and da-da-da, whatever it is, doesn't matter, and that third line, it clues the audience into, I'm supposed to clap now, and the audience <laughs> will start clapping, it's unbelievable, just now that you know that, just pay attention to every debate you ever watch, and it'll always be a, three, a three-pronged thing, and it's been going on for thousands of years, and at the end of that third line, there is applause. And, and then when you stop and you go, wait, what did he just say? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, or it's worthless and should be thrown out. And yet everybody, everybody clapped. It, it's the same kind of idea: is that there is a spirit of euphoria that can be worked up in a crowd, and it's through that worship experience, and that is really the goal of these kinds of uh, um, circles and incantations. Quickly, yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Any any yeah. Any famous uh, you know politician or even even you know really bad people throughout history, they, they've all been masters of that kind of craft. Um, Wiccans do not have a book of doctrine per se and theology like something like the Bible, but they frequently consult a text known as the Book of Shadows. Um, it's essentially a personal cookbook of spells. This is, this was the weird thing for me to kind of like wrap my mind around and never got a super clear answer on this from any one source. But uh, it, it seems like there originally was a, a master kind of book of shadows that was sort of handed down. But then what was encouraged is take this, figure out what works, and and throw out what doesn't work, and then add in new things. And so what you get now is sort of um, each person sort of develops their own uh, book of shadows over time, and it may vary from place to place. But it also, I'm, I'm also hearing that in the United States, apparently, in Wiccan circles in the United States, the, there is one kind of like high priestess who has a sort of master book of shadows that a lot of people are, I guess, copying from. Uh, but apparently it can, it can vary, and there's also a, a master somewhere, so yeah, um, it's wide and varied. Um, so, you know, geese fly in flocks, uh, lions are in prides, witches are in covens, all right? So you got a coven of witches. It's basically a group of witches, and they're generally headed by a high priest and a high priestess working in partnership. So they are, it's normally pretty small, a small group, and uh, there is kind of a couple typically that are elevated above the rest of them, and they kind of run the coven. And then within the coven are different members, and different members have different either responsibilities, talents, backgrounds, uh, various things where they might be uh, well-versed in Kabbalah, astrology, tarot, um, Kabbalah would be that kind of Wiccan version of Judaism, essentially. Um, Wiccans usually practice herbal magic, and they abide by what they call the Reed Doctrine, which is, and it harm none, do what you will. So essentially it's sort of free practice, so long as you don't hurt anybody. It's sort of the libertarian philosophy of, of life they apply to religion. And so the, the, the pitch then to everybody else is, well, what harm is it? We're not, we're not hurting anybody, right? All the things that we're doing are for positive gain, for good, you know, so we're not, we're not hurting anybody, so sort of leave us alone. Um, and Wiccans also seek to cultivate a set of eight virtues, these being mirth, reverence, honor, humility, strength, beauty, power, and compassion. But, at the same time, so that's virtues, at the same time, Wiccans don't claim to seek perfection, but instead wholeness or completeness, which includes an acceptance of traits like anger, weakness, and pain. So here's what I want you to see out of these two things. Um, what, what you notice is that there, is, there are some values that are held dear. Things like beauty, things like truth, things like compassion. We know that we shouldn't harm others. But the question is, where do you get your values? Look, if, if Christ is not on the throne, if God is not truly almighty, then where do you get your values? Who sets those values for you, and why should anybody else follow them? Ultimately, any attempt to present to you a set of values that you should follow without one perfect being giving those values to you and judging you by them, they're worthless. So uh, an atheist might come to you and say, look, uh, we're here by one cosmic accident. We our, we have come to this point through a series of evolutionary changes. We eventually, some of our ancient ancestors, crawled out of the primordial ooze, and eventually now we can walk upright, we can, you know, scratch our heads, and we can vote. And, you know, all of that happened over the course of millions and billions year of years. Okay, it's no coincidence that Part and parcel of that ideology is survival of the fittest. Meaning, if you are not the fittest, you have no reason to survive. That's Darwinism, right? That is quintessential Darwinism because, look, if you are not the fittest, you are not going to help us evolve to the next state. So we have no reason then to be compassionate, we have no reason to be merciful. What reason would there be for you not to simply climb the ladder and step on the person under you? Why, why would you have any other incentive other than to eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die? You don't. So any appeal on the atheist part, or on the, on the hey, you-do-you do you sort of culture, like we see common in Wiccan circles, any appeal to those things, Uh, toward virtue, or toward mercy, or towards compassion, is bankrupt. There's no judgment. There's no judge. So what do I care? In fact, what you see in a lot of their gods and goddesses are stories and origin stories of the gods and goddesses doing that exact same thing. And so, for Christians, we have to ask, really anybody, who comes at us with with this kind of worldview is what do you do? What, where do you get an idea for virtue at all? Second, what do you do with your sin? What you're seeing, they recognize, is that it, it, we have to appeal to wholeness, not perfection. Why? Because they recognize that they're sinful. Period. Everybody does. If you ask somebody, are you sinful? Now, they may battle about the definitions of sin and things like this with you for a little while, but eventually they're going to admit, yeah, that implies a standard. It does imply a standard. That's exactly my point. Is that for you to actually acknowledge, okay, I'm I'm not perfect. There has to be some sort of standard of perfection that you know here, even if you don't want to acknowledge, is actually true. There is a standard of perfection that you recognize. So when we come back you know, again to, to things that we know as Christians and rehearsing truth, you have on page 4, Just I've highlighted just a few things that are in just a simple creed of things that Christians have believed forever. For instance, one God. Not many gods and goddesses, but one God who is the maker of heaven and earth of all things visible and invisible. And the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we, we would say those are, are clear deviations. Wicca is a clear deviation from Christianity, if not for any reason other than those. Through Christ, all things were made. Through Him, all things were made. Then for us men and for our salvation, for our sake, He suffered death, He was buried, He rose again on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. So, the, the the message of Christianity deviates totally from top to bottom from something like Wicca, mainly because of an acknowledgement that we are, yes, we are imperfect, but we have salvation in the perfect one, Jesus Christ, and through no other means than through him. So our message to, you see, to Wiccanism, you don't have to know the ins and outs of, of Wicca to understand that it's all an attempt to accomplish salvation by its own hand. Trying to accomplish salvation by some other means other than the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you cannot acknowledge Christ as Lord and the only source of forgiveness of sin, then you can't be a Christian. Uh, a- oh, reincarnation is basically the afterlife in wicked. So again, no judgment It's basically picking up on a lot of New Age, a lot of... You'll find in a lot of these, as we're uncovering, Hinduism uh, has influenced so much, uh, so many religions, outside of probably outside of Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, probably are the three that are maybe not so much influenced totally by Hinduism, but even some of those are are starting to be influenced by Hinduism. Hinduism has a, a, a large reach. Timothy, real quick. Um, So, you know, one goal that I have for this is, uh, for these entire 13 weeks, is really when you look at the world around you and you see things like, let's say abortion, for example, is an example of this. um, You shouldn't look at those things as merely sinful things that people do, but they're very much tied into... Value systems and beyond that gods that are being worshipped. Influences that are demonic in nature going through this country. So we don't as Christians, we don't have the luxury of merely seeing everything through a physical worldview. That's not the that's not the water we swim in. That's not the worldview that we have. Everything around you is spiritual in nature. And the 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 practice of sacrificing children on the altar to a god and we might call our god convenience or we might call our god science or we might call our god a number of different things but it's no less a sacrifice to that particular god it's the thing that we value above and beyond all let's let's pray we've got to go heavenly father i'm grateful for a time to come together to think through these things deeply to understand more of what we believe by looking at what is antithetical to the gospel. So I pray that in our hearts and minds, uh, Christ would be revered above all, that you would help to solidify these truths to us over time, that um, we wouldn't be afraid as we go out into the world and encounter ideas of various kinds, that we would not fear the people that we might encounter, but can boldly proclaim the gospel to them uh, in truth and trust in what we know to be true as revealed through your word. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you live in the Tuscaloosa area and are looking for a church, we'd love for you to visit. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10:30 and Wednesday nights at 6:15.